What's up, guys? Hey. You're back with the walk-ons. Another wonderful edition. Yeah. It is. You know why it's a great Sunday? It's super. This is the best Sunday of the year. Arguably. So, top top three Sundays. Sure. Number three, we got Easter. That's a good choice. Number two. Yeah. Master Sunday? Master Sunday, number one. This one right this, here. This. It's it's such a good Sunday. If I hadn't saved all my homework for Sunday, then I'd be feeling a lot better right now. <laughs> but... um. That's just the way it goes sometimes, Marcus. That's the way the ball rolls. You'll have to be uh, grinding on some Italian while we're all watching the Super Bowl. I might be. I might be. All right. You don't have to. We're going to dive in. We're going to talk some Super Bowl, obviously. We have to. Um, I don't want to, but we have to uh, later on. But I say we start off talking about um, the biggest – news and sports outside of football right now um which is in the nba it is Kristaps porzingis and his move to the dallas mavericks um you've got a lot of other trade rumors flying around uh with different guys and then all of a sudden, it was just it, it was it was so sudden that that was what was bizarre about that whole day. I remember, remember I was I was in class in the morning, and I I saw the news that Porzingis had requested a trade essentially, um, and I was like, wow, okay, that's that's pretty flooring, right? You know, uh, fran- face of the franchise, a guy that's looked to be the future of that franchise for the next decade. Um, requested a, tr- a trade because he didn't like the culture of the team, didn't like the you know the lack of winning, which totally makes sense on, sure. on his part. Um, and then just hours later, the trade just a a Woj bomb, a Woj nuclear bomb. <laughs> I would say that was that was one of the biggest I've seen. That was a, an atomic Woj bomb right there, and it dropped later on in the day. Still in class, just saw the notification and. I mean that was that was one of the I don't know it was it was just a a, a crazy trade to happen so suddenly it, it it there was there was no build up it's not like the Anthony Davis trade where you know things have been going on for weeks now mm-hmm. Davis has been um, obviously displeased with the organization uh, you know wanting out and everybody knows that and now it's just a matter of, of when Porzingis it was it leaks that he's you know, not happy with the franchise, and then hours later, he's gone. Um, which we'll get into that a little bit later, and just kind of the timing of everything, and uh, just a little NBA conspiracy theories for you. But um, this trade, I, I want your initial reaction when when you saw this trade. Just your first knee jerk reaction to uh, to Porzingis to the Mavs for ultimately it was it was Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews. I was thrilled. Um, yeah. Shocked, but thrilled. I, I had no idea. I knew I knew Chris Stapps would probably be making a move soon, uh, only because he'd been largely dissatisfied with ownership and, and coaching decisions in the last couple of years. Um, but I had no idea it'd be to the Mavs, and, and the news broke, and it was so sudden that I was just shocked. 
thrilled because, gosh, Luca and Kristaps for years. Dude, we're, um, we are building the Euro that's, team of the future right now. That is now. one of the most promising young duos in the league. Um, and, and the Mavericks, for a long time, us being Mavs fans, we've known for a long time they've been irrelevant um, for, for two or three years now. And, and not only are they making waves to sort of come back to relevancy, but they're making waves to the future. And in this league, you need at least two, if not three, superstars on your team to make Absolutely. any sort of run. And Absolutely. so that... That opens the door for all kinds of possibilities. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think the thing that kind of floored me the most about, I mean, just the fact that the Mavs were the other team in this trade, is we, we haven't seen any moves like this from the Mavericks in the last 15 years, right? I mean, Dirk was, um, you know, a, a mid-first-round pick, so it and then... Um, Obviously, he panned out to be an all-time great, right? But uh, but other than that, the the leaders of this team. I mean, he, he has been the leader of this team, and then we've seen him diminish with age, as as one does. Uh, still chugging along out there, barely getting up and down the floor. It's 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 almost hard to watch at this <laughs> point. Uh, there's no way he gets all the way around the three-point line for the three-point nope. contest. That that just won't happen. But, but he's an all-star. But he's an all-star, and he's participating in the three-point contest, and he led this franchise for the last. 20 years um and so now they're looking for this this new superstar uh to be the leader of this franchise um and two moves mark cuban made uh that show that he is clearly building uh for the now and for the future which was the the trade for luca um in the draft trading for you know essentially trading up to the number three pick uh to get luca Doncic, and uh trading away the 2019 first round draft pick and then, uh, I mean, this, you know, showstopper of a trade right here, which uh, the the trade as a whole included Kristaps Porzingis, um, Trey Burke, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr. for uh, DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, the the biggest piece being Dennis Smith Jr. and then two future first round picks. So, Mavs, it, it's an interesting move because. On the one hand, you look at it like, okay, the Mavs gave away a guy who's a piece of their future in Dennis Smith Jr. They gave away a couple guys who are clearly not um, in Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, you know, guys that are good players now, but max contract, or not max contract, but big contract veteran players who are just demanding a lot of money and um, on expiring contracts. And then two future first-round picks. So potentially the Mavericks could not have a first-round pick for the next three years. Um, which it, it's it's interesting because on, on the one hand you have okay they're obviously building for the future with Luca and Porzingis. On the other hand, they they might not have the draft picks. So I I, I want to look at this trade, um, from each team's perspective. Sure. So first of all, you look at it from the Mavericks perspective, and I think there's there's two big aspects as to whether or not um this trade pans out i think the the first one is porzingis's health uh, obviously he's he's been injury prone in his time in the nba uh just as a seven foot one lanky big man i i think i you know we've seen it with guys like joel Embiid. uh we saw it with ben simmons who's uh, not as big but just kind of similar lanky body type uh just long athletic you know freakish athleticism so he hasn't been able to stay healthy 
but that is going to be huge. He has to get healthy and remain healthy for long periods of time. He's, he's got to be able to play uh, 75 games in a season, and uh, he's got to do that consistently uh, when he's on the Mavericks or else, you know, the, the amount of uh, the, what they gave up, what the Mavericks gave up for this trade uh, for Porzingis, I think just to not having a healthy Porzingis would ultimately mean that this trade wouldn't be worth it. I agree. It's it's interesting to me. I look at it, we're talking from the mass point of view. Right. Um, I look at it as a at least at first glance, and even now analyzing it a little bit more, I think they won this trade big time. Um, and it's... I think you'd the, hope so, yeah. The wild card is the two first-round picks, in my opinion. Okay. Um, that's that's what the, the the payout hinges on. Now, if the Mavs are good and, and those first-round picks... It, then it wouldn't even matter would, anyways, right, because you you're probably you know getting, at most, role-player guys that you can sign veterans Absolutely. and free agents. Absolutely, but... You know, with the injury-prone nature of Chris, you might not be good for another year. Um, then, God forbid, he doesn't re-sign with the Mavs. Well, right. Then you're in trouble. Is that was that the so so that was point? the second part that I was going to get to from yeah, the Mavs sure. perspective. Kristaps still has to re-sign with this team. He's he is uh, he's got one more year after this year, so he signed through um, 2020, and. Um, after that, he's a restricted free agent, uh, which essentially means that whatever offer sheet other teams offer him, the Mavs have the ability to to match that, um, and and then Kristaps would re-sign with the Mavs, right? So I, I there aren't a whole lot of situations where I think Kristaps um, would would want to leave. Here, here's my thinking. From his perspective. Okay, so he he clearly said he doesn't want to be in New Orleans, right? He, he said that he would not re-sign with New Orleans. And I think that was a big reason why. I think that was ultimately the reason why uh, the Knicks were never able to pursue a trade for Anthony Davis uh, with the Pelicans. Because if Porzingis wasn't going to re-sign with New Orleans, then the Knicks had no leverage in that trade, right? right. Why, why would uh, the Pelicans sign a player that... Uh, that may only be with them, you know, for half of a healthy year, right? Um, and so, when you when you make a blockbuster trade like this, you got to think there's some reassurance that yes. it's going to work out. And and I'll I'll explain later why the Knicks have to be banking on that as well. But for the from the Mavericks' perspective, you cannot make this trade unless you 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 know at least have. A, a good bit of uh, evidence and uh, just some hope that Porzingis is going to resign, right? Because if if he doesn't resign, then this is just an absolute bust of a trade. Sure. I mean, there's there's no way around it because then you have Luca's, you know, his growing years. He's going to be the only player on this team. He's going to be the only you know star on this team, <laughs> which is fine from one perspective. But if if you have this guy that you can surround him with that could turn this team into a, a, a playoff Absolutely. team immediately. Absolutely. And then he doesn't re-sign, then that's just such a big loss. And yeah. then you're, you're, you know, you're set five years back as a franchise. Absolutely. So that's going to be huge. He, he's a restricted he's, – he's got one year after this year, and then he's a restricted free agent, um, in which case 
the Mavericks have to re-sign him. Um, and, and you'd hope at the same time that maybe they could get deals done, um, you know, extensions done during the season. You, you'd hope that it wouldn't come down to uh, a big, you know, open free agent market. Luckily, he is a restricted free agent, though, so, so that changes things, obviously. But, um, I mean, that's going to be huge in this trade. That, that, that will ultimately, in my eyes, decide whether this trade was worth it from the Mavericks' perspective. I love the trade. Once again, um, let's talk about what the Mavs gave up. Right? They talked. Yeah. They gave up DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. So, mm-hmm. three good players. Um, Dennis Smith has the potential to be a star in this league. Some might argue, um, and he was promising as of last year. I was feeling really good about the Mavs' future because mm-hmm. of this guy. Um, turns out, in the last few months, Dennis Smith had a bit of a riff with Rick Carlisle for the last year and a half. And that ultimately ended up in sort of the DSJ drama that we saw in the last weeks. Right. Uh, I don't want to brush that under the rug because that's definitely been on the forefront of people's minds as well, the Mavs approach the trade scene. Yeah, and and I just briefly I, I want to talk about that. If Dennis Smith doesn't reconcile with the Mavs, does this trade even happen? I don't I don't think it does because what leverage do the Mavs have? If, if they've got a guy that doesn't want to be on the team and is outwardly showing that he doesn't want to be on the team, why would the Knicks not demand more? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because like, in that case, the Mavs would just be, you know, clearly just trying to push him out of the franchise. So I, I think, honestly, that was that was a big part of this trade is that Dennis Smith reconciled with the team. was back, And we, we have no idea if that was – I mean, that, all, all that was was in the public eye. He was, he was reconciled. And obviously he was back playing. Yeah. But, I mean, we have no idea how, how much of that was – uh, you know, truth and, and what was going on behind the scenes in the, in the last couple of weeks. So that that was just, a, I, I just want to mention that because that was a big part of, I, I think, why this trade happened. It's a huge, huge part. I love that. It's Dennis Smith, we have no idea his relationship with, with the Mavericks. Uh, odds, like my hunch is that he doesn't like the organization. He didn't like the way Rick Carlisle was pushing him as a player. And, and regardless of what the public eye perceives to have happened he still wanted out of Dallas and and the only reason he was going to you know come back from that sickness which kept him out of, of a few games during that riff uh, was because he needed to improve that trade value exactly what you're talking about is that if he's not playing he's not helping the Mavs or himself yeah. um, in order for them to get anything back in return he has to be sort of a dominant good player he's improved his game enough to be a good key trade piece um, but he needed to come back and show that some more um, I'm not sure if that was accomplished. It, it sort of seems so, like it happened quickly. Yeah. So, so my, from my understanding of of just what I read about the situation, it seemed to me like, I I just don't know if it was him, that was the problem. I I it seemed to me like it was it was his his group, his his people, his agent, his family, um, that were pushing the Mavericks organization away. Sure. And so I mean I mean either way I don't I don't think. What what I'm trying to say is I don't think this situation I mean in in any light accurately depicts uh Dennis Smith's like you know character in the locker room or how he is as a teammate because I don't I just I don't I don't think this situation was really in his hands I I I think this was kind of um in the hands of those around him and in the hands of the organization but um yeah like you said I, I I think if if he you know if the Mavs don't have this leverage with you know, having a player that obviously, I mean, and he went to, what I loved is he went to Madison square garden and put up a triple double a day after a day after Luca put up a triple double. 
Um, and so I think just looking at that, I the Mavericks had pieces that could play together in Luka and, and Dennis Smith. That, that was the biggest issue was, are these guys going to be able to perform you know, alongside one another? Yeah. And I don't know if it would have worked out in the long run, but I think that you just hoped with having Dennis Smith as a trade piece, you hoped that there were some signs of you know him, him growing um, as a player off the ball him growing just just as a whole which he which he showed a lot of growth this season yeah. and so I, th- I think that helped uh his value as a trade piece because the knicks are just desperately looking for a young piece in this organization uh which was chris Dops, but obviously after you know the turmoil that happened with him they they needed just just some other you know solid young player which they might find in the draft they might find uh, in free agency but for now it's uh, it's going to be dennis smith jr so they give up dennis smith mm-hmm. um Take that as you may. I think, ultimately, not a terrible thing for the no, Mavs. You're not sure so. if Dennis Smith can pair well with Luka. You know a stretch big, uh, yeah. a big that can shoot three will, will fit really nicely with, exactly. with Luka. I totally agree. Um, so I'm not, I'm not concerned with that. Wes Matthews, great player. I mean, great score. Uh, not a great season, and he's yeah, but he's getting paid a lot of money. That's true. You're he's right. Getting paid I mean, a lot he, of money he, to not do what he's been branded as being able to do which is defend and, and shoot, shoot the three, the three. you're which, right which which he's he shot the ball fine he hasn't been a great defender and that's what you need from a veteran uh he's the the perfect transitional player like this guy that you bring in for yeah. the mavericks organization to yeah sure. bridge the gap as sure. Dirk fades away sort of um so wes i'm not i'm not completely sad that he's gone uh deandre jordan love him as a center love him as a rebounder and defender but you got Kristaps. healthy is a great defender He's a shot blocking guy who can who can move out and, and sort of defend the pick and roll pretty well. Um, so honestly, those three guys, great players, but I mean they're gone. You rejoice in the fact that we get good players back. The two first round picks is what I'm focused on. Yeah. And that's gonna hinge sort of the determination of this trade in the in the future. What do the Mavs get back? So we got Chris Stops. You mm-hmm. love him as a prospect in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are like the, the big key points of his game that you love? Um, I mean, like you said, he's he's an excellent defender on the inside. Um, he's he's what you want in a modern big man and more. He's he's obviously he's huge. He's seven foot one. He's athletic. He's long, um, but he, he he can defend. Uh, you know, out on the perimeter, he can defend in the in the post. You know, very well. He's a great rebounder. Um, I I think he just fits. Every aspect of of any offensive game plan, uh, because he he can shoot the ball well, uh, you know he, he can make the three, but he can also I mean he a, a Luca, <laughs> I mean a Luca Kristoff's pick and roll that 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 would be deadly that that that's gonna be deadly because it's it's two big guys that move way too well for how big they are, um, and each with good passing vision Luca with elite passing vision. And then Kristaps just being able to run the rim, and um, I mean he, he plays above the rim better than anybody else in this league when he's healthy. Um, so I, I I just think he's everything you want in a modern big man. Um, and so I think especially as as a young guy, he's still on his rookie contract. Um, as a young player, he's going to continue to develop. Um, he's, he, I he, I think he needs a little bit of bulk, uh, just you know from uh, a pure rebounding and uh, just strength perspective uh, defending in the low post but 
he's already just so tall that he just takes up a lot of space. I, I just think everything about his game fits uh, what the Mavericks would be able to do with Luka and a, a good modern center. So, um, love Porzingis. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a guy that, in the last couple of years, I think he's kind of he's, he's turned his career around. I, I really like what he's been able to do. I, I remember when he signed with the Knicks and everybody was just up in arms about that contract. But um, he's been a nice player for them. And I, I think right now, he's probably a little bit better than Dennis Smith Jr. I, I don't think, he, I mean, obviously, he, he doesn't have the ceiling. He's, he's older. He's, he's reaching his, his peak. Um, and so I think he, he can be on a championship level team, or I mean, even a playoff level team. I think he is a, a good sixth or seventh man. Um, but for right now on this team, he's, he's probably going to start. I, I think he can just be a good combo guard that could come in and knock down some shots. Um, just another athletic guy, uh, Courtney Lee, uh, and Trey Burke. I, I haven't watched a ton of, um, but just another, you know, a couple young guys, just youth for the organization, mm-hmm. um, guys that aren't costing you a lot of money. And, um, I mean, that's really what you need right now when you're, when you're in the rebuilding phase is, is you can't be given. And, th- and that's why the DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews contracts, giving those up uh, just allows for, um, allows for a lot more in the future. You know, being able to sign bigger free agents next year um, and, you know, being able to add a, a lot more young guys that you can develop. I, I find it interesting now that Trey Burke, uh, sort of a pure point guard, uh, distributor, guy who can in college and in the pro shoot three pretty well. He's going to have some chance chances to play uh, right off the bat. You got Jalen Brunson as as a point guard and uh, Bray is out, so so yeah. he'll have some time, he'll have some minutes. Um, right. I love it. <clears throat> so I want to I want to talk about uh, this trade from the Knicks perspective. Yep. Um, because this is I, I think this is fascinating. I I, I think this. And even more so than than on the Mavericks side, this could hinge the next decade of this franchise on whether or not a couple things happen in the next few years. So the the DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthews pieces, those are guys that uh, they're going to be leaving after this year. So essentially, these are guys that take up contract space now, and then they're dumping these contracts. Um, you know they're dumping the the Hardaway, the Courtney Lee, and obviously the Porzingis contract, um, and so then with uh, with Matthews and, and Jordan gone after next year, the Knicks are going to have two available uh, max contract spots, uh, which is a, a ton of cap space. So what they're doing with this is instead of trading Porzingis for like an Anthony Davis or an already established max player, they're trading Porzingis. For the hope that they get a max player this summer, um, they're, they're, they essentially traded him for cap space. Yep. Is, is what they did, and so KD, you're, you're yeah, you're, you're thinking if you're the Knicks, and and here's the thing. I I know like you know tampering is rampant in the NBA right now, and I, I really don't see a huge problem with like like it's not like steroids in baseball, you know what I mean? It's like tampering is is not like ruining the game or anything. I I, I think it's just it's just kind of funny how big of a deal. The NBA has made about it, and then they go and find Anthony Davis, you know, fifty thousand dollars, which is a parking ticket for him. <laughs> but, um, but I think, I don't. You think they have to have some kind of under the table handshake deal with 
with somebody, whether it's Kevin Durant, whether it's Kyrie Irving. Um, I mean, why why would you trade your your future of the franchise, the face of the franchise, for cap space, right? I it's it's crazy to me that that they would do this with no knowledge, and so it makes me think that they've got to know something that we don't, because I mean th- this is just. Yeah, they they, tra- they traded Porzingis for cap space, and so I, I really hope <laughs> for Knicks fans everywhere that, <laughs> that they have some kind of handshake deal with Durant um, that he's going to come uh, next summer because if they don't, then everybody in that front office has to go. I mean, the, it, it would be in, – in not, this is not a hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. It would be one of the worst trades in NBA history – by a long shot. It's, it's it would be just absolutely shocking if they not if they did not land one of these. You know, be hilarious is, is if they sign like Harrison Barnes to a max <laughs> contract, or, or just like just, so, just some Dude, some fringe max contract player. Could be Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, I I would be. I mean that that's not a terrible deal for them. It could be. I'll just list out these guys that are potentially available: Kevin Durant, Kawhi, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, Kemba. Thompson's another big one. Uh, those cousins, all these guys. That's the, that's the top tier. Man, I mean, if they sign, <laughs> if they sign cousins to a max deal, and that's that, that's like, I I just can't admit like a, a, you're trading away, a, you know, potential future MVP candidate guy in Porzingis, for. An aging center who just tore his Achilles, right? Which would be a completely next thing to do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's the thing. You're almost expecting that they do something like that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they signed Kevin Durant. I but think I they also, will. I think they'll sign Kevin. But I also wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they pull a Nick and just <laughs> find a fringe max contract guy to to champion as their next. Could. You know what I mean? You know, I mean the the Carmelo Anthony. Max deal was dumb. Was uh, I mean that you saw how it turned out for them? I I just yes. I honestly hope it works out for the Knicks. I I'd love the Knicks to be good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but I just think they're they're one of those teams that that are really cool when they're good. Um, it's like Boston. But yeah, but it but it hasn't it hasn't happened. For hasn't a while. happened. So so you got to think for for some reason they're confident that Durant or Ky- I I th- I think it's. Unless it's Durant or Kyrie Irving, I don't think you can really justify this deal. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, even even Clay Thompson, he's had an off season, but I, he's he's a great player. But he, even Clay Thompson, I don't think justifies trading away Porzingis. Um, the other thing is with with two max contracts, you know, with with enough of cap availability for two max contracts, they could get, you know, several guys in the mix there. So. I don't know. I, I think you're you're hoping that maybe they can get Durant and then a few other veteran pieces, right? It it doesn't have to be Durant and and Kyrie, although that I mean that'd be fun. I think about that Durant Kyrie Zion in the Garden plus two future first round picks. Yeah, and Knicks are on the way to get the first round pick this this year. Yeah, Kyrie I Zion. Well, so. I want to talk about that too. So, there, there's a lot that that hinges on 
uh, for, for both these two teams that hinges on where they end up in this year's draft. For the Mavericks, it's if, if they don't end up in the in, with one of the top five picks, they don't have a first-round draft pick. Yep. Um, for the Knicks, uh, it's Zion or bust. And so you're good. You're, I mean, they are just tanking for that first overall pick. But now that you trade for DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, um, and Dennis Smith, these are all guys that immediately fill in and make your team better. I, I really think better than – you know Tim Harder, because uh, because what they did is essentially this year, they traded away Hardaway, um, Trey Burke, and Courtney Lee uh, for Dennis Smith, Wes Matthews, and uh, and DeAndre Jordan. And so, although obviously the, the the contract situation is why they picked up those guys, they still have them for this year, and those are still like you said, good players yeah. that are going to contribute to that Knicks team. So I think they take their way out of this tanking race with that trade, which I th- this is this is worst case scenario for the Knicks here. <laughs> they make this trade, yep. they end up with like the number nine pick in this draft. Okay, so team tank doesn't work, but that's okay because we're gonna get Durant. They sign Bogey Cousins <laughs> and Lance Stevenson <laughs> in the off season, and then you're just back at square one. Gosh, um, I which. Which is potentially could happen, and that's just crazy to me that you're giving up Przingis for the hope of a of a max contract player. But um, I think we'll see. I, I think it's an exciting time for both these teams. I, I think you're excited if you're the Knicks, and obviously you're excited if you're the Mavs. But there's just a lot of things that have to go your way. If the Mavs end up tanking and getting that top five pick, I mean that that sets up the Mavs really, really well for a couple years from now, especially with the two first-round picks that you're giving to the Knicks. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what the protections are on that. Um, I don't I don't think – I haven't seen anything come out yet about protections. But, um, I mean, I think if, if you don't have first-round pick for the next two years, but you get one this year, and then Porzingis, you keep him, and obviously Luka is the, the centerpiece of your team – I mean that that's a that's a great team. I would I would love to for the Mavericks to jump up into the top five and pick my my dream scenario right now in my head is is getting Ja Morant with like the number three pick. <laughs> I, I think that would be so cool. He I, I think he would fit so well with Luca. Um, I honestly I, I think it. he'd be a, a a better Dennis Smith that can play better off the ball. Um, but Dang. it's pretty funny because about a year ago I was I was watching a guy named Luka Doncic on you know his highlights from Eurobasket and thinking oh man wouldn't it be great if the Mavericks somehow got this guy? The Mavs are making moves. They are making I mean, moves. They, Mark they're, Cuban they're is, is doing some things. I love that they're they're trying things. You know they're not just the Knicks or the Mavericks of the last five years. Yes, I mean they, there's that. just nothing that's happened with this team. Give me your two minute take on the Anthony Davis situation. Okay, I I think. There's certain teams that he won't re-sign with, um, and and I think the teams know that. If if Boston was allowed to sign him, I honestly think the trade might have already happened. Um, but, uh, and I, I can't remember what the name of the rule is, but essentially, um, based on league rules uh, due to contract situations, uh, the Celtics can't have Anthony Davis on the team until next season mm-hmm. um, 
And so if a trade were to happen, it'd have to be after the end of this season. I really think trading him to the, and this sounds crazy, I think trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers does not make that team all that much better. Because what they're giving up would be Lonzo, Kuzma. Here's the uh, last offer. Yeah, what was the last uh, offer? Reportedly from the Waj. Los Angeles wanting to trade Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley in a first-round pick. And the Pelicans said no way. I just don't know if... Okay, so so they said it was an underwhelming offer. Yep. right. So then you're going to add in Brandon Ingram. I, I think that would be the obvious piece to add into that trade. So you trade... Four more picks. Right, so okay. So let's say they, they add another first-round pick. So you're trading Ball and Kuzma, who are two of the biggest pieces of your future. Um, you're trading Beasley, and then who else? In Rondo. Yep. So then I don't even know. I mean, it might be Alex Caruso starting at point guard for that team. <laughs> um, because you start, you know, you tr- you're trading your two starting point guards, or your, your top two point guards, and then your best scorer that's not named LeBron James. Um, and so you're left with Lance Stevenson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just I, I don't know how much better that makes that team. And as great as LeBron has been, and LeBron did it with the Cavs last year. I mean, I that's a great comparison. Um, LeBron did it with the Cavs last year and carried that team to the finals. But that team, first of all, that team was not even close to what the Warriors were. So they, they weren't contending with them last year. But also this team was in the West. I, I think a team similar to the Cavs last year gets beat by – the Warriors, or the Nuggets, or the Rockets in the playoffs. I, I just I don't see that trade making the Lakers good enough to contend in the West. Even with Anthony Davis. Even with Anthony Davis. They just there's they don't have enough pieces that they can give away their best players and still be a great team. It's it's crazy that a LeBron and Anthony Davis team right. could still be rebuilding. It's like they, well, they, they don't have enough <laughs> young, good people. It's the meme team. It's the it's meme like, team, what, baby. Who do you have? JaVale, Lance, Brandon Ingram? Yeah, right. Well, and so, okay. I want to think I want to think back to this summer when the Lakers get LeBron and then surround him with the meme team, right? Think about what the Mavs did in signing DeAndre Jordan, that was used pure... I mean, he was used as a piece, a major piece in a big trade that's going to help this franchise for the future. If the Lakers just get any other big free agents, it could be the exact same thing, right? And so I, I, I think when you think about free agent signings, like I, I remember thinking about this DeAndre Jordan signing, like, oh man, like that's kind of a lot of money and he's he's really, you know, he's a good player, but he, he, we're paying a ton of money for this guy that's not going to be part of our future. But this is exactly why you do something like that. It's, it's so you can potentially use him as an asset for a trade. The Lakers just didn't get enough assets this offseason. And right. so they don't have enough pieces to make these trades like the Mavericks right. did. Which, it, which is kind of weird to think about because when you're putting a team together, you're not really thinking about, okay, what are the assets that I'm gaining? You're thinking about, okay, what, you know, how, how can I build this team to be a, a better team? right? But, but I think the Mavericks, I, that's why this DeAndre Jordan signing worked out perfectly for them because they, they put him on a contract. I mean, a, a one-year deal. They, they couldn't have done this unless they gave him the exact contract that they gave him. Mm-hmm. And so the Lakers, on the other hand, just don't have the pieces to do something like that. 
Yeah. And still be a, a decent basketball team. Right. I love it. One last uh, NBA note. Uh, I love this report uh, from Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, said that several teams were, were shocked to learn that Porzingis was actually available um, and the <laughs> Knicks were looking to trade him. I was shocked. After the deal came out that they had signed with the Mavericks. This was so, one of those teams. Um, you were one of those right teams. Right here, we were. I, the walk-ons were <laughs> the shocked. The walk-ons. Um, and I love that the Mavericks were all over it. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking love it. Absolutely. Um, it just I, I haven't felt that way before about about this front office that, that other than the Luca trade, right? Right. And well, it's exactly. Happened That's twice why. in one year. Well, it's bizarre. And I think part of it is just being in a, in a market like Dallas. Not that Dallas is a small market, but I mean, unless you're Los Angeles or New York, uh, or at this point Golden State, you're really not going to get your name thrown into the mix for for most of these trades, right? Like, like nobody was like, oh, Porzingis might go to Memphis. You know, what <laughs> what if Anthony Davis gets traded to Denver. Uh, to Denver, right? I mean, yeah. and so I, I just think that that kind of comes with it. But after these moves, it's it's all about having the assets to build for the future. And so even now, even even though this team, I don't, they're, they're not a playoff team, this Mavericks team, they're not a playoff team. But even, even if they finish, let's say they finish, you know, 13th in the West, um, end up with the number seven pick in the draft, um, I think even now you're you're you've changed from just kind of an unknown team to an extremely desirable destination for free agents, just because you're starting to to garner these assets for the future, not just for for the now. So that was my next question and the final question: Can these guys, Kristaps and and Luca? And whatever you're building around them, can these guys attract a guy like Clay Thompson in the summer? And I don't a third piece. So that's a good question. I don't know if the Mavs have the cap space for another max contract. I think the which the, I, this is hilarious to me. I think that the biggest piece that they might go after is Nikola Vucevic. Which come on, would that not be the coolest thing ever? Just a a European dominant team. <laughs> Because I, I honestly think that makes the Mavericks a, a much better team. Um, I, I don't think I in I, I don't know this for sure for sure, but I I don't know if he's a a a max contract player. Um, but he's he's a great player, and he would add a whole lot to this team. Uh, they'd have kind of the twin towers in the in the middle with Porzingis and uh, and Vucevic, and then you've got Luca on the outside. Hopefully, add another. You know, guard piece and free agency. Jalen Brunson is looking at like a like a, the next JJ Barea, which is kind of the obvious comparison. But I mean, Jalen Brunson could be a six man uh, for a, a a very good basketball team. And so I, I think if you just keep garnering these pieces, I, I really do think to to answer your original question, I think that they have enough to use a lot of their cap space to sign a very nice. Piece in the offseason kind of like a DeAndre Jordan level player but on a better contract um, and maybe a younger guy who, who can add to this future of this team it's exciting it is exciting as a Dallas Austin based um, uh, podcast <laughs> we're, we're stoked also John you're right Maxi Kleba that he, he, he has really come on um, I mean they, they've kind of found these diamonds in the rough, I feel like, 
through the draft and uh, and just these young players that will be role players for a future playoff team. Hmm. Let's move on. Let's do it. Today is the greatest day, the greatest Sunday in sports. I'm ready for it. And we need. It's not to long. Discuss. It's it's in 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Kind of wild. We gotta Thanks. go pick up this pizza. Is the, this is the pregame. Uh, Sponsored by. Varsity, Varsity Pizza. pizza. <laughs> yes. Not uh, actually. Don't sue us, please. Um, we're not sponsored. <laughs> they're watching. They told me. No. Varsity's Pizza. No. <laughs> don't sue us. Come on. Uh, we are the official pregame show for the Super Bowl. No, we're not. We're yes, not we that are. either. <laughs> and we're talking Patriots Rams. <laughs> tell me who's going to win and tell me why. The Patriots are going to win. Yep. Um, because... As genius as Sean McVay is, I think the Patriots know how to exploit this Rams defense like the Cowboys didn't. Um, Aaron Donald is their piece on the defense. He's he's going to be the difference maker in this game. And first of all, the Patriots offensive line does not get enough credit. They have been unbelievable this year. They've, they've been one of the best three offensive lines in football this year. Um, and I think... With Aaron Donald inside, Tom Brady's not great against inside rush. He he actually, it's it's pretty wild how good he is against rush on around the edges. Um, but I, he he just does not perform well against a rush between the tackles. Um, so I like, in in that sense, I like what the Rams are able to do because they have the the personnel for it. But that being said, I think the. Uh, I think the Patriots know exactly how to beat that, and that is use C.J. Bowling Ball Anderson between the tackles. <laughs> and, and I think you run right at Donald because I, th- I think if you if you pin him on the double teams and um, and you allow, allow your offensive line to do what they do best, and that's and that's run the ball down the throat of a defense, I, I actually really like what, what they're going to be able to do um, offensively. Uh, and so – I like the Rams, uh, or I'm sorry, golly, I like the Patriots, <laughs> and I think the score is 28-24. 28-24. Mm-hmm. See, ultimately to me this comes down to a chess match between exactly. young, hot, attractive, attractive, handsome, Sean, guapo, McVeigh. Yeah. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say like red hot coach. Yeah, I don't but know. He's, he's, he's also a, hot. He's got some nice stubble. He's got I, I respect the stubble game of Sean McVay, <laughs> oh and I wish gosh. I had it. Yeah, he's a I'm good kind of going guy. for it. Yeah, Marcus. Bit, but I'm not quite there. Not quite. No. Not quite Sean McVay. But I think ultimately it's going to be this guy, Sean McVay, the prodigy of the league versus the old time Rico Belichick. And it's going to be a chess match. And they've both been preparing the last two weeks. Game planning every scenario. I think they probably have almost every play call planned out for the entire game. Um, and you know they've been planning for situations. You know they're both going to have uh, their, their fair share of their Philly specials, their trick plays uh, ready to go. I think you might see a Rams fourth down uh, a try early in the game uh, mm-hmm. with their quarterback punter, um, Hecker. I think that there are sort of Two keys to the game, I think. If if Jared Goff can get play action pass going uh, and get his, you know, Brandon Cooks involved and in, in Todd Gurley in the pass game, mm-hmm. if, if that if they can get that going and, and use that confusion factor that they have in almost every of their, every one of their games, they can beat yeah, this right. team. Um, the defense on the Patriots side is not as good um, as some other defenses they faced and beat. Second, 
Um, I think it ultimately going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a coaching battle, like I said. So yeah. these key fourth down conversions, these key special teams calls, um, you know, clock management, those things are going to determine the outcome of the game. I think the Rams pull it out. Hot take. So, okay. I, I totally disagree with you on one point that the, the Patriots defense is not good enough. I mean, obviously a, a huge part of being a great NFL team is having a great coach. And yep. I think the Patriots defense is, is going to be coached up enough to handle what this Rams offense is going to throw at them. Sure. I mean, and we saw when they played the Cowboys, this Rams offense is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Yep. Uh, because they're singular yet multiple in what they're able to do. Um, and just, you know, mind-boggling to any defender. If, if you're thinking as a defender, then you're not making the play, right? <laughs> um, and so I, they, they make you think. But I just think if you give Belichick two weeks to prepare, and I know how good Sean McVay is. I mean, he has been unbelievable. I mean, hats off to him, honestly, because, I, you know, we see Pat Mahomes as the, as the future of the quarterback position. Sean McVay is the future of the NFL head coach. Yep. And he's going to be around for a really – I mean, think about this. He, how, how young he is right now, he's already at the peak of his profession. Where does he go from here? All, all, he, all he needs to do is start winning, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really do like Sean McVay, and I, and I think he's going to pull up all the stops. But I just think in a matchup like this, uh, I, I really like Belichick, and, um, and I like the experience in, in the game's biggest stage. Um, and so I, I think I think it's going to be similar to what we saw last week with Patriots Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Is you've got the the um, you know the aging veterans versus the young guns who have taken the league by storm. I just think in, in, on a stage like this, the veterans win out, and and I I, I like what the Patriots uh, are able to do uh, on both sides of the ball. Really, I see what you're saying. To me, as good as Bill Belichick's preparing, so is Sean McVay. And I think he's got something to prove, as does Jared Goff. Um, these guys are underdogs, regardless of their success this season. I think they come out on fire. I think they saw what happened in the Chiefs game, and they know that that's what people are expecting, and they come out fire. I think Todd Gurley will have a key impact on this game. Forget C.J. Anderson for the game. I think that's my hot take. I think they, they give Gurley like 20 to 25 well, touches. Uh, he's been, you know... 12 or 13 in the last couple of games. Yeah. I think now or never for Gurley, he's going to take advantage of the opportunity. He's going to run wild. So what what I think has been really interesting to see is, you know, how, how they've run Gurley and Anderson um, kind of opposite of each other where Anderson is the inside zone guy and Gurley is the outside zone guy, right? Um, Anderson runs these, you know, power runs between the tackles and then they, they put Gurley in and, and he runs the outside zones. To your point, I, I do think that Gurley is going to have a good day today. I, I really – and obviously that is not a hot take. Obviously, like, <laughs> come on, he's, he's, he might be the best player on the field. Yeah. But like you said, they, they haven't given him the touches the last few weeks in the playoffs. Um, but I think if, so if there's any day – So what are you for? Well, if but, not but not even just that. I, I, I think if there's any day – if there's any matchup that you like, I think it's um, the Rams' ability to run the outside zone. I, I just think uh, against uh, what the Patriots' defense does well, um, I really think that they will be able to utilize the edge in this game. And like you said in the passing game, I, I think I, I do think that the Patriots are going to scheme well, but 
I still I, I think they'll be able to scheme well against explosive plays, against big plays, and that's where Todd Gurley comes in. So if, if Gurley gets, you know, six or seven touches in the passing game, um, then the Rams do have a good shot at this game. That being said, I still like the, the Pats. Picking the veterans. Yeah. What, what, what's the score prediction? From you? To me, it's really close. I think it comes down to something at the end, 28-27. Okay, so whoever wins... The loser has to sleep on the balcony tonight. Well. Yeah. Deal. Okay. Nope. You shook on it already. No. You did. Yeah. This is on air. Come on. I can't agree. <laughs> uh, I, I will be rooting for the Patriots. I think the Rams will win. I'll be, I'll be rooting for so the Patriots. C- can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. Because it's it's kind of been a, a revolution. I remember last year uh, I was sitting in my government class and nice. we were making logical. Yeah. Come on now. 8 a.m. Dude, 8 I did it. You made um, it. We were making logical arguments about <laughs> about the Super Bowl uh, because we're just learning about logical arguments. And I said, I think the Patriots are going to win because Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. And every it was like a riot. I really thought I was going to get shot. I was I was oh scared my for my gosh. life. But this year, it feels like there's been a wave of just respect for Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick and what they've done. And I I felt it. You felt it, obviously. I, I think it's within you know the circles that we run in. I, I really think, for some reason or another, it took this year to be like, dang, okay, I, I know it's you know not a whole lot of fun to see the same team win like this, but at this point, you, you can't do anything but respect it because given his, Brady's age, given you know just the amount of guys that they've had cycle through uh, at the skill positions, I mean, you, you look at the receivers he's had, uh, I mean, this year, it's Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Josh Gordon cycled through for a little. It's like, I mean, there's nothing you can say except Brady and Belichick have been the rocks of this team, and they're the they're the sole pieces that have allowed this team to uh, to prosper over the last you know two decades. So I, I I don't know for some reason or another I think there's been a lot of respect for the Patriots in the last you know. For this year over years past. It's fascinating to watch the cycle that's happened over yeah. the past 10 years. So they, they take the league by storm about, what, 15 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago? 2001, um, I think, was their first season together. I think we looked that up last time. Right. Anyways, they take the league by storm. You know, it's this young hotshot, what, fifth-round draft there pick. There we go. You didn't call him hot. Yeah, hotshot. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady, the guy who... Nobody thought it would be good, and then Bill Belichick, uh, a former special teams coordinator, uh, they pair they pair up, they take the lead by storm. Everyone's on their team, right? Everyone's rooting for that that cycle, sort of like the Sean McVay, Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. Um, they get good. They they go to Super Bowls. Uh, they have the perfect season. Uh, the Giants win. Everyone's thrilled. Um, the yeah. Patriots come back nine times to the AFC Championship game. Last season seems like they were the villain of the league. Um, now this season comes around. It's interesting to see a cycle back, and people are now. How can you root against Tom Brady? Yeah, that's what absolutely. I get. That's what I get a lot of times when I'm talking about this. How yeah. can you root against greatness or the greatest of all time? It's like right. we're watching uh, Michael Jordan in his prime. It's fun to make the NBA comparison. We talked about this earlier this week. LeBron James has sort of been on the same cycle. Um, for a lot of people, L- uh, LeBron James is now 
what Tom Brady is in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's come around from the most hated player after the decision in Miami, yeah. coming back to P- Cleveland, winning with nobody around him to come to the Lakers and, and be a, a family man. Like he is now sort of a uh, a feel good story of the NBA. Yeah, uh, and arguably the Patriots are the same. That's that's a great comparison. I, I think it's kind of the obvious comparison on the surface, like oh, you know, the greatest ever, but. When you look at it from the perspective of both these guys, uh, they had their, <coughs> their early career success. They flew onto the scenes. Then they had stuff happen to them mid-career while they were still successful. Um, I mean, you, you kind of look at the scandals with the Patriots, and then you look at the decision from LeBron. And so they, they went from being beloved to, um, to polarizing – and then, you know, full circle back to you have to respect this. Honestly, I think it, it was a little bit different with LeBron because I think after his championship, uh, after the win against the Warriors, I think that was when everybody had to respect him. So it, it was a little bit earlier in the career when people realized, okay, this guy, this guy's something else. But I think when you look at who's the greatest of all time debate for each respective sport, I think this year for Tom Brady is kind of the last year where people were hanging on to, no, he's he's a system quarterback. But then yeah. you, you make it again, and it's like, okay, this this guy's the, the best to ever do it. Yeah. And I think last year was the same thing with LeBron, where you go into the playoffs with just freaking scrubs on your team, dude. Just absolutely, like, J.R. Smith, come <laughs> on, man. Okay? Oh, and then you go out there, and you beat the Pacers in a, in a really good series, and then you sweep the Raptors. Um, and I think, I mean, that for me, I I can, I can envision specific moments in my mind for these two players. And I think that's when you realize, okay, these guys are probably the greatest ever. I I think with LeBron, obviously it's the block. Um, and then with Brady, I think it's, um, it's just the celebration after the the Super Bowl last year when you're like, okay, I mean, you, you just can't argue with anymore. Yeah. We'll be watching tonight. We will be. We gotta go pick up some pizza. Yeah, we do. We're having a huge rager. Just kidding, mom. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Walk Ons. Uh, Catch us next week on Sunday. Um, Every Sunday, four to five. Be there for no more football talk, except well, next week we'll be talking football. But that's it. And then it's all NBA from here on out, baby. (laughs) Come on now. Let's go. You guys have a great week. We'll catch you next week.